The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. It's the Forum at 8 and uh, just waiting on our guest, Wusite Maguire, who unfortunately is uh, somewhere in the building. We're just trying to get him down into the studio. And uh, of course, some of you already are waiting and excited uh, to engage with Wusite Maguire this morning. Um, number one car salesman says, please ask Wusite Maguire how, he char- uh, how much he charges to speak in South Africa and why uh, doesn't he post more of his videos on YouTube and uh, we'll certainly ask him that and I was reading yesterday about uh, him and uh, asking 35 Rand from a client and the client being very irritated about that particular story but he then persisted and said well I need that 35 Rand to call my next client and uh, so the story goes and the rest as they say is of course history but uh, you were asking there um, uh, Inga about some of his YouTube videos we'll certainly ask him when he comes here but here's Vusi Tembeguayo talking about how some of um, uh, the businesses failed to reimagine themselves and the impact of that because I'm always fighting between these new worlds and these two different types of worlds I find myself always arguing around where we are in the world of business today it's funny isn't it Think about it. Nokia was first in the business of gumboots, and they made gumboots for fishermen. Then they moved out of that, and they moved into the business of tractors. And they moved out of that and into the business of cell phones, and they were not able to reimagine their business outside of cell phones. What happened? It's almost as if there is inertia that kicks in. There is an inherent inertia that kicks in in organizations that disables their ability to innovate, to think, and to move. So we wanted to know, because we are living in this world that is at the edge of chaos, what does it take to be successful? And so we did some research, very, very in-depth research, and we came up with the four laws of leading at the edge of chaos. Law number one, and this was the one that allowed Richard Brasher to be very successful when he was at Tesco. Interesting. When Richard Brasher ran Tesco, they were a $70 billion pound a year business. That's over 1 trillion rand in turnover. That's, pardon my math, is about the third, the GDP of South Africa. One man, one business. Extraordinary success. But Richard Brasher and his team had a philosophy And the philosophy was that enabled them to lead at the edge of chaos. It was, find the truth. Not your version of the truth. The truth. What's happened in business today is there are different truths for the same question. And we all see those different truths because we all have different lenses. If you're losing market share and you ask marketing why, they'll tell you it's because our marketing is poor or our, our brand doesn't resonate or we have... Uh, a low net promoter score. If you ask operations why, they'll say because we're not efficient and we're not delivering fast and quickly and cheaply. If you ask IT why, they'll say because we have legacy systems and we are caged and imprisoned by those legacy systems, we're not moving into the new world of cloud. If you ask sales, they'll tell you that the other sales force is better trained, etc., etc. It all goes on. Same question, different truths. So Richard Brash and his team had this philosophy about find the truth. 
not your version of the truth, the truth. And that, of course, of Vusi Tembeguayo. At the age of 17, he'd already ranked first in Africa for motivational speaking. And as one of the best motivational speakers and keynote speakers alive today, he's spoken in four of the seven continents to over 250,000 people. That's annually and still counting, of course. Uh, Motivational speakers, keynote speakers globally have come to revere his talent and also his style of delivery. No doubt a a seasoned motivational speaker. His humor is the glue that binds some of his most diverse audiences in the world. And we are truly blessed to have him here with us this morning. Vusi Temeguayo, thanks for coming through. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So... It's a Friday. We kick back. Uh, we don't want to talk just about the serious stuff. We want to get to know Vusi. Oh, dear. Yeah. That's the exciting <laughs> bit. So, Vusi, um, of course, you know, I was uh, looking at uh, some of the facts around your meteoric rise at the age of 17, yeah. ranked first in Africa. But, of course, then I remember something that I read about you at um, a high school in Benoni. Um, yeah. uh, not even being given an opportunity to finish a speech yeah, yeah. by your schoolmates. It, it was the first time I ever did public speaking. Yeah, I had, I had a fairly, I suppose, I had a fairly big mouth when I was in school, and I'd gotten myself into trouble. And the public speaking teacher said to me, "If you," she was going to put me on detention. In fact, she was my English teacher, and she was going to put me on detention. And I, you know, any person raised by a single black mother knows you don't go home and tell my Marco you've been put on detention. That conversation doesn't end well for you. So um, so I said to her, please, don't put me on detention. I'll do anything. And she says, well, you know, I run this public speaking society. And in three weeks' time, there's a competition taking place here in school. We'd like, uh, you, if you come and deliver a talk, then you don't have to go on detention. So I said, great. I actually didn't realize she did put me on detention. I just didn't realize it. Because to then <laughs> prepare for the talk, I had to go to the pre- preparation lessons, which was in sum and total the same amount of time I would have spent in detention. And then three weeks later, I get up to deliver my speech, and I was completely off mark, and I got booed off. So that was the first time I did public speaking. But you must have enjoyed it to endure. No, it's my character. I hate losing. Ah. I did, at, at the time, I didn't know So you didn't enjoy, I mean, even because you were trying to get out of detention. Right. And, and, and when you were being told, you know, this is what you need to do, this is the sort of preparation that goes into it, you didn't enjoy that? No, no. I, oh, wow. I didn't. I really didn't. I mean, I, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could wax lyrical. No, I didn't enjoy it so at all. So what did you think? What did you expect? Did you think you were just going to get up on this page, uh, the stage, do whatever it is you're supposed to do and get I off? I did and do, that? right? I mean, that's kind of what the American movies show you. They show you this guy who gets up and... An audience is screaming their name and people of a different uh, gender are throwing uh, pieces of apparel they shouldn't be throwing at this person. So it, That's what you expected. That's what I expected, yeah. And that's not quite what I got. <laughs> that's, that's not quite what so, I got. as someone who hates to lose, how did it feel then when you were yeah, being booed? It, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. It, it, it was, I suppose, a big part of the reason I then became as good at public speaking as I did. I'm I'm the kind of person that if you tell me I can't do something, I'm I'm more likely to do it and do it better than anybody else, purely to prove to you that you were wrong. Boy, and did you prove them wrong, and it didn't take you long. So how much time did you then put into this effort? Yeah, quite a bit. So I, I then started training. I joined the public speaking team. The team would meet once a week and train. I would train three times a week. 
formerly with a teacher. They would train for an hour. I would train two hours each time. So I was doing six hours a week. Then I'd do an additional hour by myself sometime during the weekends. I was also in the Gauteng Boys Choir at the time. So there was quite a bit to balance between that and the choir and playing the violin and doing karate and the rest of it. But yeah, that's that's what I did. And and, um, and then when I started competing with the other teams, or with, with the other people in the team in the school, I started beating them. And then they would ask me to represent the school to compete with other schools, and I started beating them. Mm-hmm. And then they'd ask me to represent the region to compete with other regions, and I'd beat them. And then it became, would you represent the province to compete with the other province? And then I'd beat them. And before you know it, I win the nationals, and I set the country record in public speaking. Do you know this is where I started out as well in school? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've a been speech told. contest, and 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 of course, um, this was before you guys, so it was a different era altogether. Right, right. And and I remember uh, giving a speech in the Benoni Town Hall. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. It's still Packed there, by the way. Benoni Town Hall <laughs> with auditorium style seating. Oh uh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and and you know when you your legs just want to give way 100%. and you. All you can think of is, please, 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 don't let me down now. Yes, yes, yes. And, of course, it's freezing, that room, Of right? course. Yeah, because it's, it's almost in the underground. So it's it's very, very cold. Yeah, I, I very, very fond memories of, of the Benoni Town Hall. Yeah, Specifically I because both. I used to thrash a lot of people there in public yeah, speaking. Exactly. <laughs> so, but, Vusi, you know... Um, one of the other things I found is that there's a lot written about you, your books, you know, your success, but not so much about Vusi Tembeguayo, um, who he is, uh, who he was born to, where did he grow up? Yeah. So tell us about that. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting observation, but I've, I have um, quite deliberately kept, I suppose, the part of my life that is not my work out of the public space. Fair enough. And and a part of the reason why that is, I'll, I'll I'll answer your question in a minute. But I think a part of the reason why that is is my view has been, you know, I have friends who are in media, and I watch them invite certain shows to come to their homes, and and I always feel, you know, if you invite people when it's good, expect that they will ex- invite themselves when it's not, and and life is what life is. You can't, you almost can't determine where things end up. So it's always important to be prudent about those things. Why don't people realize that though? I think people are so hungry for the spotlight that they will do anything to get it. The very construct of people doing nude pictures and all sorts of videos that they send of themselves is purely because people are so hungry for the spotlight. And as a result, in truth, I think the deeper desire is hungry to be acknowledged. People want to be acknowledged. And for them, acknowledgement that they exist and that they matter is public adoration. Right. So I must say I commend you for that. And, you. And, and I get exactly where you are coming from um, because I, I get it. Mm. I've been asked, you know, by magazines mm. time and time again mm. uh, to talk about, you know, my family, mm. children, mm. and I've refused. Mm. And as a result, they seem to immediately lose interest, mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> which is very strange. Yeah. Because talk to me about Sakina, talk to me about what I do, 100%. but um, I don't want to put my family out there. Did you find that you had the same sort 100%. of reaction? A hundred percent. Where if you're not willing to go there, the, the people lose interest in you. It's, it's almost, you know, it's it's the age of it's the age of Instagram. It's the age of the live video. It's the it's the age of. Uh, it's the age of followers, right? So mm. to get followers, you are in your home and you're shooting a video with yourself and your child. Here's what you don't realize is you don't know who's watching that video. Mm-hmm. And you don't know the intentions that people have watching the, the, that video. 
You know, when Kim Kardashian was robbed in Paris, it was only 30 minutes before that she'd posted a picture of the jewelry that they robbed. And she posted it and posted the location and said, you know, look at what my husband just bought me. This is fantastic. And then she knows that 30 minutes later, people are breaking into the hotel room. So you, I'm very conscious of that, the security aspect. But I think for me that there is a deeper conversation, which is I volunteered for this. Mm. I volunteered to have my name out there. I volunteered that I, when I walk in the streets, people look at me and go, you look so familiar. Yeah. Right? My children didn't. Precisely. So I can't force them into something and then and then they're not old enough to make that decision and then wonder when they grow up older why they might react to that in a way, way that I don't necessarily like. So it's I'm very con- I'm very conscious of it and when they're old enough they'll make that decision themselves but I can't do it for them now. I hear you, I feel you and it resonates completely with yeah, me. Bon. But I still want to know. <laughs> 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 I, I, I still want to know about Lucy growing up somewhere in, yeah. was it in the East Rand? Yeah, I'm an East Rand boy. So I come from a small township called Watville. It's a tiny ah, little township. Benoni. In Benoni, yeah. Watville is so small, I often say to people, you can walk it side to side, the breadth of it in about 20 minutes. You can drive it in two. It is one main road with four traffic calming measures, all of which you don't need because the main road is so short. It's and a tiny whole Vusi Tembeguayo comes from uh, that small yeah. Watville. Coincidentally, Watville is a big part of the reason I am who I am. Uh-huh. The, the, because the township is so small, the sense of community is really, even today, it's still there. So, you know, w- when I was growing up, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, atypical to find, if you were being naughty on one side of the township, before you got home, your mother knew. And, and this is before the days of phones, by the way. So it's not, it's not like somebody told her and phoned her. It, it just was. So I come from Watville, raised in Watville, went to a school in Watville called Ego Kanyeni, which is still there. And, um, and then from Ego Kanyeni, went to Benoni West School, from Benoni West, went to Benoni High. So my entire life, my schooling career, uh, pre-university was at, at, uh, in Watville and in Benoni. Yeah. And uh, your mom? Mom's amazing, by the way. I've got to tell you, my mom is my role model. So my, my father was my best friend. Uh, my father introduced me to karate. I, my dad was the sensei in the dojo. I used to train with my dad. And my father was brutally murdered when I was 13. Yeah. And uh, my father was gunned down. They never found the killers. They never oh. investigated the case. It was one of those where the, you know, the doc had got lost. Sorry uh, to hear that. Mm, but but, but what is, how old were you? 30? I was 13. What does that do to a 13-year-old? No, it shakes you. It, I mean, and I think for me what was hard is at the time, as a 13-year-old boy, you, 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 you're on the cusp of manhood, mm. right? So there are a lot of things that you're experiencing that are defining the man you become. And the man you look to as a model is taken. Um, it was it was a very difficult time, very difficult, uh, very difficult for me, even more difficult, I think, for my younger brother and incredibly difficult for my older sister because she was she was daddy's girl. Mm-hmm. So it was it was very difficult, I think, for for the whole family um, and credit to my mother because she she held it all together. She, she came under extreme pressure. So my father's family very traditional family, then wanted to invoke certain traditional laws or prescripts which they thought they were entitled to. And um, Such as? Such as we must take over the home, such as you need to marry your your husband's younger brother, such as we need to keep the family and the surname, uh, all of those things. And, um, and I watched, it was very interesting because until then I'd known my mother to be a woman of substance, but not necessarily of strength. I'd never seen the strong part.
I'd known, her, I'd known her to hold her own, but I'd never known her to be somebody who's strong-willed and would fight for something. And then I saw a different side of my mother. And, uh, and she emerged, I think, a different person. She kept it all together. She fought, she fought off that offensive. She fought off the family. She made sure that we didn't drop out of the schools that we were going to because those schools were particularly expensive. She made sure that we had uniform, that we had food every time we were going to school. So credit to Mama, because I, I, I must confess, knowing now what I know, knowing now what I, what I know about where she was then, mm. particularly financially, I don't know how she did it. I really just don't. It's a, I think it's a, it's a miracle. And, and yet here we are. And I think uh, you'll hear your mother say she also doesn't know mm-hmm. how she did it. But somehow mothers always seem to find a way. I was about to say it's almost as if you and her have been in conference because I have asked her. I'm like, how did you, how on earth did you make this work? And the answer is almost always, I don't know. You know, it, you just it, do. It just, you just do. You just do. You you you, just you do. are just the mother. You just do. Quite right. Speaking to Vusite Maguire this morning, uh, and of course the messages streaming in. Lots of love for Vusi. Let's read some of those messages. Um Z says, "I'm loving this conversation with my homeboy Vusi." Uh, Dikeledi says, um, "Vusi is my favorite young people mentor." And Spiwo says, "I like his outspokenness. Uh, he'd rather lose his government clients than keep quiet and not say anything." Um, whilst Azuma loots. Pile says, um, Vusi Tembequayo is our very own Richard Branson, and we must celebrate this legend, which is why he's here this morning. Putitaka, uh, Vusi Tembequayo's work is appreciated by young and old, and may he continue to be a beacon of hope. To the hopeless. Um, then Inga says, I don't know uh, that man personally, but I feel like I know him. I have learned a lot from the guy, um, and he is a teacher and speaks to me. And James uh, says, uh, listening to my all-time role model, Vusi Tembekwayo, and uh, I guess enjoying this, and Unati Kwaza says, I have the utmost respect for people in public space protecting their families. Mm-hmm. And when you hear people and, you know, the regard <clears throat> with which they hold you, in, do you feel any pressure? No, no, I, I don't. And thank you for the question. That's a great question. Um, I, and I don't, not, not from a place of arrogance, but rather because I, I am, I've come to a, a stage and a place in my life where I know that I can only be the best version of who I am. And and by the way, there are probably in equal measure people who spew all sorts of vitriol about me. So I'm I, I know that there are people on either side of the wall. I take I take the compliments, Gabonga, thank you very much. But um I'm I'm on this little rock called Earth, having this little experience called life, and through it discovering this person called Uvorsi myself. And I, I don't profess to be anything I'm not. I don't think I'm perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm willing to go through the process and to go through the experience and to, and to live. I think a lot of people are alive. Mm. They're just not living. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to live. That's all I'm trying to do. How do you find that works for you in a world where uh, truth has almost become a commodity? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. By the way, they didn't prepare me for the fact that you asked really <laughs> such good questions. <laughs> um, it is, it is, it's become an adventure. 
I'm, I'm at a very interesting stage. It's um, every single day is new. It's dynamic. It's fresh, right? So it's it's become an adventure. This you're quite right in a world where truth has become commoditized. Because what's happened now is there are versions of the truth, and, mm. and people say things that um, sound right. But if you dig deeper than what's been said, you know that 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 doesn't make sense. That that message doesn't work. And, and that human human beings have been here before. Yeah. We, we've been here before. This is not new. Uh, but for some strange reason, as human beings, even though we are the most intelligent species on earth, we also have a, a short memory. So we forget just how close to the past we are. Um, I, you know, a, a dear friend of mine as a DJ once said to me, if you want to please everybody sell ice cream. So I've come to accept that in a world where you have a truth and you're willing to speak that truth, that there are people who will not necessarily appreciate it. What I draw strength from is I know that there are, in order of magnitude, people who, who do draw strength from it, who find a sense of resonance in it, and who, who take heed at what you're saying. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, by the way, won't send the SMSs and the, the Twitters. They might not even have the means to, but they are there, and they hear you, and they appreciate, and you shift their minds, and that's all that matters. And that is so important. And, uh, sure. Where's the time gone? We need to go to news headlines. When we come back, I promise to open the lines 0891104208. And you can also SMS us on 40938 and tweet or Facebook at AM Live on SAFM. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. And in conversation with one of the most exciting young entrepreneurs, motivational speakers, the list goes on. So I'm not even going to try and uh, put a label on him and box him this morning. Vusi Tembeguayo is our guest this morning. And I did say the lines are open. Uh, let me just read a few more of your messages. Busiso Setole says, oh, Sakina, that guy is uh, so much of a beacon of hope uh, for a South African entrepreneur fraternity right now. He is great and I am thankful for him. That's from Spusiso Sitole. Uh, then at Jan Mbata says, uh, please thank Vusi for following me on here. He's great and he's our Serena of business in South <laughs> Africa. Uh, go to their turf and excel. And we'll speak about uh, some of his business ventures uh, shortly. Nomfundo Kanyele says, I could listen to Vusi Temeguayo speak the whole day. Uh, at uh, Busi Lande, Busi says, I feel so bad uh, that I have to switch off the conversation with Vusi. I'm about to go and write my exam. Podcast it, please. We certainly will do. And good luck on your exam. Uh, Tabo says, uh, you have the best man and a true leader. I'm inspired. God bless you. And uh, this one from Giggs. Uh, Giggs says, Viva Vusi, Viva. What a legend. And Shaheen Isop. This man should be president of South Africa. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah, it comes. Uh, Winnie Les says, um, Vusi's laugh is infectious. Thank you so much. And uh, very many others coming through as well. But we're going to take some calls now, Vusi. 891 Francis in Cape Town, good morning to you. Good morning, Sakina. Francis? Yes, good morning, Sakina and Jogia. Welcome. Hi, Francis. Thank you. Bussi, you you such an inspiration. I, I'll tell you one thing. The, the the concept of truth that you talk about is the best truth that the government doesn't want to listen. I'm a farmer in the free state. They are using 1982. That's why I generated to be the truth and whatever. 
in the land that you're supposed to plough in. They say, this doesn't work. But I prove them wrong. From some area where they say we cannot even plant anything, we've made strides. We've made sales of about 3 million rand. So I don't know what truth do they look at. Thank you, my bro. Thank you. Keep doing it for us. Thank you so much, Francis. Um, Unati, ha, Unati Kwaza has jumped <laughs> off Twitter onto the telephone line. Good morning, Unati. Hi, Sakina. <laughs> Hi, Wussi. So born. Lovely um, to hear you. Thanks. Um, well, I wanted to ask you, Wussi, how do we get this message to young people, uh, even starting from school, that uh, younger ages, that it is possible to go to school, you graduate, and then be at job creator instead of a job seeker. Hmm. Um, I mean, I speak as someone uh, who's late grandmother. Uh, I mean, I don't know anyone besides her who has never worked for anyone else by themselves uh, through business. And so I'm always passionate about anyone who speaks and believes that it can happen and um, that young person can be inspired to, to start their own things and to grow their own businesses. Unati, mm, mm, mm. thank you so much. Go back thank to you. your very warm bed. I'm sure you are still not out and about yet, Unati Kwaza. We always read her messages, and uh, this morning she calls us so you can hear what she sounds like. Uh, Zola Johnson is in New Brighton in PE. Good morning. Good morning, Sakin. How are you? Well, and you? I'm all right, man. I just want to ask the guest, in terms of the radical economic transformation, can he give us just a perspective on that issue? <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you so much, uh, Zola. I'm loving it. Uh, Spusiso in uh, Peter Maritzburg, you up next. Oh, good yes. morning. I got through. Uh, hi, Sakina, and good morning to Musi there in studio. Just one thing. Um, I'm grateful for you. Uh, you guys, uh, you don't know the impact you have on us through your social media and almost every time I see you, even on YouTube, I'm inspired as a result. I've gone back to my hood, uh, working on starting up. I've, I've actually even spoke to my counselor about grouping young men, young boys actually, and starting to work on them in growing their mm. confidence going forward. And uh, through through that YouTube, uh, I'm, I'm slowly picking up your oomph and charisma about the work you do. And I think it's rubbing off on me, and I'm loving it. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Spusi. So, Theo is in Joburg. Good morning, Theo. Morning, Sakina. How are you? Well, and you? I'm good, thank you. Squire. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize who this was. <laughs> How's it, young Squire? I'm good, Squire. How are you? Good. Good, good. Sakina. Yeah. This man is, um, yeah, he's heaven sent for me, you know. Um, he's my mentor. I'm the guy who makes sure that he looks dapper every time. Oh, he's wearing a very beautiful jacket this morning, I must tell you. It's all his, it's all his. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah so I mean, I met Fossi back in 2011, and um, it's it's been a great, you know, um, relationship and getting to know him. I mean, he's he's helped me in terms of my business and um, his, his teachings. I mean, uh, I mean, all of this guy, eh? like he's taught me so, so much. So I just wanted to say thank you to you, Squire. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate everything that you've done for me. Thank you, man. Thank you so much, uh, Theo. And I'm always amazed at, you know, how much some young people manage to squeeze into a very short lifetime. But uh, let's just take two more calls and then I'll give an opportunity to respond. Janusz in Cape Town, good morning to you. 
Good morning, Sakina. Sabana Vosi. Sabana Sakina. It must be, I think, very nice feeling when you talk to the people and not talk only talk, and then you they see the results of what you say, how you approach them. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure that you had many moments in your life when you could see this, what happened to your, to those who you, you train. And uh, but I would, and I would like to also ask you, because you see, you know, uh, we see there's a problem in our country where youth are not educated properly, especially the colleges, which uh, not bring that the the proper education and uh, very often not uh, experience, practical experience. Trying to bring on, on this radio the point where, where, for instance, we can, we can do it because we can have a schools where, where there's going to be more practical, uh, you know, uh, issue than the theoretical. Maybe you can bring it to the government. I'm trying to bring it on the radio without any success. Maybe Sakina, you will allow me to say something about it because we have to change uh, the, the employment and the, and all education of our young generation. Thank you and good luck to you, Vusi. Uh, Absolutely, Yanish. And remember our series that's still running and we did say at some point we'll get our listeners to write for us and come and talk to us about their ideas. So mm-hmm. we'll remember that. Sigin Randberg, good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Thank you very much, and good morning to your guest. Uh, I, I, I can visualize uh, Trevor Noah speaking by drawing people together with his humor. Uh, but I don't know how this is possible for, uh, uh, the, uh, for motivational speakers. Do they have uh, a particular uh, uh, heroic kind of life history that they can enthrall their this, uh, audiences with? Or how do they capture the attention of the audiences and hold their attention with, when the audiences are all different? Or are they all businessmen and he's got a business theme? Thanks very much. Uh, thanks so much, Sig. Okay, we'll see. The floor is yours. Sure, that's, that's a lot. Uh, you're going to have to remind me about some of the comments that were made. So, um, if, if I may, let me just first start with Theo. Theo's, okay. Theo's a very interesting story. He runs a business called Mr. Slimfit. He used to work at one of the large investment banks trading Forex. He was on the actual Forex trading desk and one day decided that he was going to leave that, which was a phenomenal career in corporate finance, and start his own business, effectively helping men style themselves better so that men who look better do better. And uh, he hounded me for a really long time. And uh, then I gave him an opportunity to come and see me. He presented what he wanted to do. I said, let's try it. We tried one thing. And as a result of that, I kind of don't do anything without Theo being there first. But Theo, I think, is a true testament to what is, and I'll answer a separate question that was asked, real radical economic transformation, mm. right, which is this. Theo didn't go out and find a white man running a factory that makes suits, tell him he's going to take 20% of his business, then ask a state funding agency to give him money to buy 26% of a business he played no role in building, go to nice fancy board meetings, drive a Porsche, eat uh, have cappuccinos at Melrose Arch, speak big English, mm. but not create new opportunities, new growth, new jobs, or a new business. Theo did what we need to be doing. He started his own business, he manufactures, he creates, and as a result, he's not replaceable. Even if I wanted to find somebody to do what Theo does, I can't. Because only he has the creative eye to do what he does, number one. And two, he has a specific process he follows that I like. So I have to go to Theo. As a result, he employs people today. So mm. here's one man who leaves his job, starts something. Now he's employing people. And this is, it's an important point, I think, for us to realize. Simply this. 
We're 23 years into our democracy now. Let's give, let's say 25 years, give or take. That's a quarter of a century. In that time, we have tried several things to transform the economic fortunes of black people at a broad base. Mm. You can argue it any way you want, but we haven't succeeded. In a country with 55, 58 million people, we have a 40% broad definition unemployment rate, 26% narrow definition. Of the numbers of young black people between the ages of 16 and 35, unemployment rate is north of 32%. It's a phenomenal number. We don't fix that by saying we're going to take from them who have just so we can distribute amongst ourselves. We fix that by doing a portion of that, but the critical and more important part is by creating from the ground that which we own. It's important, I think, that we own the things we say we own, not being seen to own. And th- there is all those subtle critical difference. Yeah. That's my view. I'm, by the way, must tell you, I get chastised for this. I get attacked for it a lot because there are people who've benefited from the system. But I'm saying when I started my business, I had nothing. I've just sold my business, as you know, mm-hmm. a large portion of my business to some American investors. And I've created a fund where I'm investing in other people's businesses. So I'm saying there is a multiplier effect there. The people who work in my business would have no place of work if I just simply went and took shares somewhere. I had to create something. And I think it's important for us to be become instruments of creativity rather than instruments of color where you mm. go, well, I, I'm black, therefore. But you see, and, 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 and so Janusz is also talking about looking at possible solutions here. But Unati then talks about, you know, how do we bring about yeah. the sort of mentality, yeah. um, you know, yeah, from an early question. age? Yeah, that's a phenomenal question. When Unati, and, I, and I'll tell you why that's a really good question. But a part of the challenge we have in South Africa is if you are, Typically, if you are a well-educated young person of color, there are so many opportunities for you that you can go to so many corporates and get a job and earn way above what the market should be paying you. As a result, typically young people of color, young black people, don't start businesses. Why? I'll tell you, for the first three years of me starting a business, I probably went back five years in, in money. You go back, right? Mm. You've got to go into your savings and spend. and right. So, so the, the, the reason we don't do it is because we don't have the propensity for pain, which we need to have for us to build these businesses. So I think the first thing we have to do is to, to help young people understand that there is other ways to leaving a legacy. It's not just, can I get, can I get an education then get a job, then go and buy a, a car, drive down the road and show it to my mother. And my mother then stands out and goes, lee, 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 right, because that's good. <laughs> but I, I, I often ask black mothers, why do we lilizela when the child buys a car, which is an instrument of debt? We don't lilizela when the child starts a business. How, how does that work? So, so clearly, even in our social systems, we need to start thinking about what kind of behaviors we are rewarding so that we can start doing the right kind of things. It's, it's, it's really, really important. It's nation-building stuff that we get this right. And, um, of course, you know, many people want to hear your view on the current political situation <laughs> in the country. Uh, even though I don't personally want to go there, I bow to the listeners, and that's what they want to hear from you. Mm. I will say two things. So, in fact, I'll say three. The first is often I'm asked if I'm a member of a particular political party. Mm. The answer to that question is I do not carry a card of any political party. The reason for that is if there is a single thing we learn from history, it is without question that the most dangerous thing you can give a politician is loyalty. Politicians must earn your vote every single time you have to vote. That's how they deliver services. If you are loyal just because they have a certain mask or a certain badge or sing a certain song, 
then you'll find that that politician is less likely to do their job because they have your loyalty. So that's the first thing I'll say. The second thing I say is at a leadership level is we've only had two presidents in the history of this country post-colonization that have plunged it into junk status. That's all. Uh, The third thing I'll say, (laughs) the third thing I'll say is one of the things about which I'm most sad is it seems to me we're fighting so much in this country. We, We lack a vision of what we are doing. So if you went to the ordinary South African today and say, where's this country in 50 years? They won't answer you. They don't know. But they all know about leaked emails, right? They all know mm. about a certain political discourse. They all know about a Helen Zilla being discharged in, in Cape Town. But they don't know what is really the future of this country. And as is the case with a family, if you cannot imagine a future, then what are you doing every day? When we wake up every single day and we work and we pay our taxes in this little project called South Africa, for what purpose is it? If we don't have a broader calling, something bigger than ourselves that pulls us towards this. So that's those are my views. I think mm. that we need a, a, an inspirational type of leadership in this country that will help us build something that's worth building. I remember a time when South Africans uh, were very fond of saying, uh, especially about Zimbabwe, right. that Zimbabweans are passive. Right. Um, uh, right. You know, right. I remember docile. that. Yeah, you remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, we we yeah. went through that period. And... Listening to what you have just said, I can't, you know, but wonder about South Africans well, and, becoming, and, and who are we? Becoming, have we looked yeah, at ourselves? Have. have we looked in the mirror mm. lately? Because mm. we have to ask ourselves the tough questions when you mm. talk about what we know. We know about the leaked emails and mm. all of these things. But who is setting the agenda 100%. for South Africans? 100%. And why is it that South Africans don't believe that they can set the agenda? 100%. How do we change this? How do we change this mindset? You know, information changes situations. That's the truth of it. So the, the, the real issue is that most people are simply not informed. Let me give you how basic this is. On my drive here, and when I got outside your studios, I parked just outside the SABC studios, and I did the typical South African thing. I looked at my passengers to see, to see if there was anything there that would lure people to break the window mm. and steal it. You know what I've got in my passenger seat? Two books. One of them, Apartheid, The State of Guns and Looting. Yeah. And the other one is a book about managing exponential change in high-growth businesses. So I left it there. Why? Because no one's going to break into my car and steal the books. But if I had alcohol, somebody would break into the car and steal the bottle of Johnny Walker 18, right? So, so again, at a, so, at a simplistic social level, people place currency over things that are seen to be more important than simply information. So we, we, we just don't take the time to read, find out, and know what's happening in other parts of the world and how it affects us. And then, therefore, to your question, understand whom it is that's setting the agenda for this country and why. And, and what role do I play in that? Let me just make a very quick point. You talked about Zimbabwe. I've got a friend of mine called Trevor who often says to me, People ask, why did Zimbabweans let what happened in Zimbabwe happen? And Mm. I was in Zim last week. And then he says, dear South Africans, what happened in Zimbabwe was a process, not an event. And I think South Africans don't realize we are in a process. And you have to be careful that you don't think there is one thing that happens and things fall apart. You know what happens? A lot of things and people do nothing. 
you say nothing. You complain and you talk and you tweet. I dare say we are there right now. But this is what I'm saying. That's my submission. Is we tweet. You're sitting behind your your phone right now and you're you're a keyboard activist. But you're not active. You don't. Simple example. How many young professionals listening to this conversation volunteer at a school that is previously disadvantaged or still disadvantaged for the governing body? Just go. Volunteer your services. How many do that? How many of you volunteer at a hospice or a a band-aid? How many of you volunteer at a children's fund or a hospital? How many of us are actually involved in this project of building South Africa? My role is building entrepreneurs, so I volunteer my time and money to help entrepreneurs build businesses. But if you're not involved, then you're a part of the problem, not a part of the solution. And by the way, tweeting is not involvement. Tweeting is just that. Tweeting. Oh, wow. Vusi Tembeguayo, Louis Waddle is asking for your surname. Tembeguayo, T-H-E-M-B-E-K-W-A-Y-O. That's Vusi Tembeguayo, our guest in studio this morning. Um, let me read the messages before I go to the calls because it's going to fall by the wayside. I promise you there's quite a lot going on. Um, MNG uh, Mothala says, started a small business, a turnover of 200 rand per month. And because of Vusi Tembeguayo, I never gave up. And now I'm at a 2 million turnover per annum. Wow. Ah, no. You know what? Warms my heart. I want shares and commission. Day. I want commission. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That, that, you know, that's what we're talking about this morning. Um, Mpo says, uh, please ask Vusi, how many books does he read and how many has he written? And lastly, how many companies does he own? Zakele says, uh, Vusi, when um, are you running speaker boot camps? Uh, Lungisani wants to know what books uh, would you recommend, mm. especially to youth, seeing mm. that it is youth month. Mm. And Hope says, uh, please ask Vusi uh, where he did his public speaking and um, Ayanda says uh, uh, Vusi must remember that uh, for that mother there are mothers who dread the sound of the ice cream truck uh, because uh, you know and, and I yeah we know exactly what you mean Tumela Molo says uh, thanks Sakina for inviting this gentleman Nelim Kize says I'm listening to the man of the moment substance the one and only Mr. V Tembeguayo um, uh, talk to Elia uh, you have a champion of economic transformation right there with you, Sakina. That man believes in helping others. And Dexter App says, uh, can Vusi Temeguayo please uh, give his take on the current leadership? He's done that. Poor uh, Petu, I feel bad for not knowing Vusi until today. He is so positive and convincing. Tell him he is appreciated and South Africa has got talent. So with that, let's take a few more calls. Sure. 891 uh, speaking to Vusi Tembeguayo this morning. Uh, Amokhelang and Kimberly, good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? Well, and you? I'm um, good, thank you. Uh, I wanted. I had so many questions from Mr. Tembeguayo there, but all I want to say is he is truly a, an inspiration, especially for me, because I recently started my own business, uh, just graduated last year. And uh, recently I was asked who I'd like to have lunch with, but now I've had an opportunity to actually just speak to him, and he was the one person that I actually wanted to have lunch with. Um, September Choir, sir, you're truly an inspiration, and thank you for everything that you're currently doing in terms of inspiring uh, upcoming entrepreneurs, the youth, and male uh, uh, figures in this country. Thank you very much. Thanks, Amokhelang. Linkford is in Randburg. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jogin. How are you? Well, and you? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yes, and I'm your gentleman right there. Thank you so much for bringing me on board. 
Sebongovit. Um, I, I just wanted to give you, you know, uh, um, a quick snippet of my story. It's very amazing when somebody, uh, when you're doing something and you're not sure exactly whether you're on the right path or not, and then somebody comes along and they're hitting exactly the points that you've come through. It's it's quite a good confirmation. I love it. You know, um, in 2015, um, I had a bubble with my boss because they didn't want me to attend church, so I left that job. And <laughs> six months thereafter, I was unemployed. I taught myself web design within that space, and landed my first client. And I only got to know about this just recently, honestly. And it's amazing how, um, you know, just your thoughts, just the way you put things across, it has really changed how I work. I'm now starting another business. And <laughs> the first presentation that we had during that business was a video uh, of the interview that you had with, I think it was um, uh, Sunrise, right. where you were talking about, yeah, um, uh, Economic transformation starts in the mind. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and it's it's something that I, that I've always resonated with, and I've always questioned systems. And I really, once you change your mind, you can change so many things. And then you were saying the same things that I've been thinking. And all along, I thought maybe I'm not on I'm not on the right path. Maybe I'm not doing the right thing. But then there you came, and you said exactly the same thing that I've been thinking. Hmm. I've taken so much criticism for saying such things, but once you said it, I've got the comfort that yes. I believe I'm on the right path. Thank you mm. so much. You're really transformed. Thank you so much. Linkford, uh, Zuki in East London. Good morning. Hey, Sakina, how are you doing? Good, and you? Fussy, how's it, my man? Hi, Linky. I, uh, Zuki, by the way. I worry because I think I think I may lose my wife to you. She <laughs> loves you like crazy. That <laughs> just scares me because every time, every time you upload something on Facebook, Oh, Twitter or something. I I don't get the end of it. I mean, this is this, this is that. You're a great guy, man. I'm really, really happy to talk to you. But let me pick your brain on this. Um, when we talk about, you know, I, I hear your, your, your understanding about economic change and that we have to change ourselves first as black people, change sure. our thinking and so on. Sure. But, but are we not, are we not um, sort of uh, cheating ourselves to sort of turn a blind eye on the fact that for almost 400 years yeah. we have been ill-treated in this country. Yes. Our land has been taken away from us. Our industries have been taken away from us. And I sort of like uh, contrast that with, mm. with the Jews, right? Mm. I'm a great supporter of the state of Israel. Mm. I, I think of them as, I mean, they are the most industrious, some of the most industrious race groups in the world. I mean, the richest people are among the Jewish nation, right? But in, in that also, in, in the, besides the fact that they've been able to work hard in, in spite of all they've been done, uh, the, the, in spite of all the treatment they've experienced over the years, but still they went back and took their land from the Palestinians, mm. right? Mm. Uh, so nobody said to them, no, just be industrious and work hard and start your businesses. Mm. They did that, mm. but they still went back and took what's rightfully theirs. Mm. And so I have a problem with the conversation where we say, just change your thinking, just mm just be more industrious, just start more businesses and so on and so forth, mm. while the truth of the matter is our mining industries are owned overseas, our banking industries are owned overseas, our land is owned by foreign uh, individuals. And so what's your take on this? Thank you so much, Azuki. And I think we'll play because I wanted to play, you know, your favorite song for right. you. So we'll, we'll, we'll play it in the background right. as you answer <laughs> these questions because, um, you know, really lovely input uh, from the listeners this morning. Let me, let me, let me, let me answer Suki's question. And I think, uh, by the way, the song is so dear to me. I start a day with a song. Every single day I start with a song. It, it captures truly what I'm going through right now. It's an amazing song. But Lukusuki is right. We do come from a place of such deep disadvantage 
that you cannot ignore it. My argument isn't that we don't come from that place. My argument is not only must we reclaim that which we own, but we must create a new. The conversation cannot be purely about let's just take. Take mm. and then what? Mm. And I'm not hearing the and then what. So we work with entrepreneurs. State funding agencies in this country are eager to finance people to buy franchises than to start businesses. Franchises don't create wealth for the franchisor, for the franchisee, only for the person who owns the franchise, which typically isn't a black African person. So I'm saying let's create our own. We created the Shisanyama, but the Shisanyama that is a corporate one is not owned by Abantabamnyama. We created Lokshin Culture, but the outfit that sells more, township, more clothing in the, in, the, in, the, in the townships than Lokshin Culture is Mr. Price. So there's a conversation that we need to have about where's true wealth going, where's the disposable incomes going, and how we as black people participating in that process. He is right. We do need to redress, but I'm saying we not only need to redress, but we need to create a new and do these things together so we can build a better future. I'll tell you, Vusi, um, uh, the listeners have not had enough and uh, people saying we must bring you back, part <laughs> two. Uh, still so much to talk about. I didn't even get to ask him about driving at 20 kilometers per hour when, to where, when he went to fetch his son from the hospital. I, 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 I was like, yeah. How did you know that, by the way? <laughs> I know many things. <laughs> That's how proud he was on the day. But Vusi Temeguaya, unfortunately, we mm. are out of time mm. and hopefully we'll bring you back you know to talk about more of these truths that we are shying away from uh, someone is saying i'm going to throw away my kaiser chief's membership card <laughs> because Vusi said loyalty must be earned you know you you, you can't just give people yeah. your loyalty and uh, some of the uh, twitter activists are also crying they've just realized what exactly they are doing yeah. but thank you so much for stopping by let me just say a, a simple truth for me sakina which is uh, by the way i love the show i'm a big fan of the show and i've been following you for years and I want to say that you may not have been told this before, but you are a beacon for some of us of reason on radio. And we thank you for the work you do. Oh, thank you. My weekend is made. The weekend starts <laughs> right here. Vusi Temeguayo. And uh, thank you so much. Have a fantastic weekend.